Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins, and today I'm here once again with Daniel M. Hello, hello. Daniel. Good to be back. There's not snow on the ground here today. No. How about there? There's still snow. <laughs> you don't need to ask that question. It's literally going to be here until May. So. so April, May. So Easter in Canada, there's like no, you know, lilies, daffodils, nothing. Nothing's going on there. Like nothing's poking up out of the ground. It's well, I'm in Western Canada. I'm in Western Canada. So oh, I sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to. I meant Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Wexit? <laughs> and your your text, you're like, hey, regardless of what happens, I'm pro Wexit. <laughs> Which is Western Canada leaving. Exiting yeah. Canada, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, There's actually a political party forming. Oh, so really? It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I stay up with world news. It's much yeah. more interesting than American news because we just play the same <laughs> things over and over and over again. Well, these days, American news is pretty fun. So, Oh, yes. <laughs> We're not going to go there. All right. No. Um, okay. So I want to follow up on a previous conversation we had about gig economy and buying into the lie. You are what you do. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit more about experiences um, because... I would say some of the best advice I've ever received is from a pastor I work with. We weren't terribly close. We only went to lunch like once, and I was a student pastor. Mm-hmm. Yes, don't do that. But I did get one good piece of advice from this person, and that was he said, Todd, do not spend money uh, on stuff for your kids. Spend money on experiences that's what they will remember from their childhood. Not, yeah. you know, not the shiny new toy or this article of clothing or whatever. It's going to be experiences. So, so, so do that. Um, and so we live in an experienced economy. There's actually a great book by Joe Pine that's now like seven or eight years old, but it's still, I bet, good uh, and timely. Um, and it, it's basically the idea that experiences are greater than things, which you talk mm-hmm. about um, in your book. What, what do you What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, just going off on that advice that the guy gave you. I mean, last year for all three of my kids' birthdays, we went to New York instead. And Christina and I calculated, and we were like, "Man, we're spending two to three hundred dollars per birthday party." Let's, you know, and the it's kids were going party. to New York. Well, you know, when you put food and right. presents and everything all together, it ends up being around that. So you, end, you then end up, um, we, we then end up, ended up talking to our kids and we're like, okay, well, what if instead of your birthday parties, because they were asking to go to New York, we were like, hey, what if we just all went to New York instead? So... <laughs> All the kids were like, okay, we are foregoing our birthday parties and we are going to go to New York instead. And at the time of this recording, yesterday was my second daughter's birthday and we just had a home birthday party, chicken wings and matzo sticks and make your own Sundays, just the five of us, because 
we had our big celebration in New York. And guess what? I mean, the kids are still talking about how they each got to lead our family for a day and plan out what we were going to do for the day because for them, experiences are going to create more memories. And for us as a culture, and this is, it's, it's research-based as well, we are actually now spending more money on experiences than things. And where does that research come from? Every time you make a financial transaction <laughs> with a credit card, right. all of that data is being tabulate, tabulated into some massive database that researchers are just drooling over because they're seeing our spending patterns. Huh. Well, okay. So let's talk about the uh, the dark side of this because everybody has, you know, seen quippy tweets uh, about you know, social media being somebody's highlight reel and then mm -hmm, mm -hmm. three posts later, they post a picture of them, <laughs> of themselves <laughs> standing in front of something or behind something or yeah, yeah. <laughs> an epic shot. Um, so, I, I, man, I mean, you know, you even think of uh, the, the phrase, if you didn't post it, it didn't happen. Like, <laughs> if there's not a picture, it didn't happen. Yeah. I was in a place uh, training leaders a couple weeks ago. I didn't post any pictures um, for that very, very reason. I didn't want the place that uh, the government that I was in to know I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so it never happened. I was a tourist. All right. Awesome. Um, hopefully this is never used against me in a court of law in a foreign land. Um, but talk a little bit about that. Like what's the shadow side of this I don't know, lie that you are what you experience. Because we would yeah. both say, we both just shared stories of, hey, this is awesome. I agree. Experience are, is are better than stuff. But at the same mm -hmm. time, the lie that you are what you experience, how do you, how, how do you unpack that? Yeah. So what we need to understand even before we get there is just how prevalent it is around us, not just for you and I and the decisions we make as dads, um, but honestly, it, it really is, regardless of what your family context looks like, it really is around everywhere. I mean, have you ever unboxed an iPhone? I mean, I know you have, but for our listeners, I mean, unboxing any Apple product, any Apple product is an experience. I mean, just the, just the way they spent so much money, you know, when you open the box, it just kind of slides. Like there's just enough tension where it just kind of, it doesn't. It, it's, it's not hard to open and it's not easy to open. It just, just slides when you hold the top of the box. They spent so much money, Apple did, on creating that experience. And then when it's up and you, I, I'm sure you're imagining this right now and, and you're like, oh, the phone is right there. It's just right on top and it's already charged. It's already charged. You don't remember when you needed to charge all your devices before you could even use them. It's already charged. You start using it and the flap underneath, everything about it, right? Even Top Golf. Top Golf going to driving range. You don't need to lug your clubs and put tokens into a machine and find spots, open spots with your friends and and go get food from a, a, a vending machine. No, it, the whole thing is an experience. You're not buying ball a bucket of balls. You're buying an experience. Even mattresses, right? Even mattresses. 
Casper has revolutionized. Why is anyone taking pictures of them unboxing a mattress, right? Because it's an experience. Even in New York, they have a place called the Dreamery where you can nap on their mattresses for 45 minutes at a time. And it's not one of those open showrooms with fluorescent lights and you're out in the public. It's a private pod with curtains where you get PJs and drinks. I mean, experiences. So, so number one in, in regards to how is it affecting us? It is everywhere you look the way that even our culture is trying to sell products. Now they're selling it via an experience. I wonder too, if that, you know, we constantly hear about story these days Mm. Mm -hmm. and Stories are about experiences. They're usually not about a product. If they are, if there's a product in the story, it just happens to be there. The story is about the experience or the interaction or what happens around it. And so I wonder if uh, in part the rise of story has something to do with the rise of experience. I love that. I love that connection. I love that. I mean, if you look at the top 10 grossing films worldwide, at least when I looked at it a month ago, four out of the 10 were Avengers. Like worldwide. Whoa. Top grossing. You look at the top 25, most of them are Marvel. Like any of the Marvel movies that you're thinking about are going to be worldwide top grossing. I think the top one that wasn't a Marvel one was, uh, I don't know if it was Titanic. I think it was Avatar or something like that. But I think either actually both were on the top 10 list because of James Cameron. But literally, right. it's story, right? What What is it about the a, a fake character-driven Marvel universe that is so lucrative, right? Disney even owns them now too, right? It's so lucrative that it's captured our mind and we're spending all our money on it. Well, it's it's story, Right. And the whole idea of the experiences, even the the idea of lining up, lining up when everyone should be sleeping (laughs) at the midnight show. I mean, that in and of itself is an experience. But there is a dark side. Right, Todd, there is a dark side to all of this. You, You brought up earlier the whole idea of the, the, the if you didn't Instagram it or if you didn't take a shot of it, it didn't happen. Right. Well, you and I are very familiar with um, the 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 realm of our society called influencer marketing. Yes. Right. So when you look at influencer marketing, I saw some recent stats that it's now worth a billion dollars. I mean, you know, you know way more about influencer marketing than me. So why don't you go ahead and kind of uh, right explain it and then um, I'll, I'll get going. Highest ROI from a marketing perspective uh, is influencer marketing. And that's really taken from word of mouth. Uh, mm. So, you know, we've known for decades that word of mouth marketing, friend to friend, hand to hand, mouth to ear, whatever you want to say, that form of marketing is the best. We know that intuitively in our churches that the best way to get somebody to come to your church is by personal invitation. So um, translate that into the modern day where most people have a Facebook. Many have Instagram. And, you know, you, you start to go, okay, well, yeah, but that seems cheap. Well, it may seem cheap to you, but it's not. It, it is something that's extremely valuable because 87% of people 
have bought a product in the last month that was recommended to them by someone that they knew online. Not yeah. <clears throat> that is crazy. So <laughs> it's not, and, and you know, and we know we can take a step back and say, oh, well, I know this person is being paid to shill this. At the same time, we trust that person. We like that person. Or we see that person wearing that and they look good in it or whatever it is. And people are really affected by that. Part of the shadow side of influencer marketing too, though, is the narcissism that's involved with it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, the human soul is not made to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. That was the lie from the garden, really. Uh, we are designed to lift up the Lord. And there is something that I think, the God, sorry, and I think there's something that snaps or disconnects or um, it, it is that whole, I think it comes back to uh, so far what we've talked about it's an identity issue. We want to be God. We want to be in control. Mm. Um, and, and you know, when it comes to experience, it really is a look at me, look what I've done. Um, Dude, that's crazy. Worship that's, me. <laughs> I, I love how you brought, I love how you brought it there. Our friend, Kevin Beck, who's lead pastor, Austin Stone. I mean, I, I love, he, this is what he said to me. He said, when you go up and preach, to hundreds of people or thousands or however many people, even if it's dozens, but if you go up and preach every single weekend and for 30 minutes at a time, everyone stops what they're doing and they're looking at you and they're listening to you and they're responding to you. And you do that every single week. There's a liturgy being spoken into your soul about who you are, how important you are and what that is. And, and, and your place and all that. And he's like, that is not healthy. Mm. That is not healthy. Now he's not saying throw out the sermon, but he's saying, have a team. Uh, don't have it all be reliant on you. And I mean, the guy's brilliant, right? I mean, he leads, he leads the, I, I forget what it's called. The, the learning community, one of the learning communities. Strategic learning community, SLC. Yes. Yeah. Which is yeah, full right. three cohorts. Sorry. But next to January, <laughs> three more will start again with yeah, and Peck and Patterson. Dude, it's there. <laughs> the guys are geniuses in, in how they do that. But it really, it really does. It really does speak something into your soul. And here's, if, if you if you Instagram and, and look at likes and you look at how many people retweet you or like your Facebook photo, all that stuff. If you, if you look at all that stuff, you'll know you'll you'll know what I'm about to say. If not, I'm sorry, this is probably too much information. But what what ends up happening is if you take a photo of a thing, you're never gonna get as much impressions and likes and exposure than if you take a picture of yourself with an experience or in an experience. And that goes back to what Todd is saying here with uh, the whole way that influencer marketing, like it's, it's being driven by narcissism because these companies that are paying you to wear this or go to that hotel or this or that, I mean, they don't want just pictures of that hotel. They want a picture of you having an experience with that thing because they know how our human souls, I mean, how, how much we actually will Envy and jealousy will actually stir up in our hearts when we see that over just seeing a, a product. Yeah, and it's associating that product with that person. Yeah, 
Yep. Yep. Um, when you see them both it's, together, it's association. Dude. And yeah. you know what? I mean, it's, it's nor it's like traditional celebrity advertisements. It pretty much is the same thing yet. The person's not as famous as a celebrity. So it seems more authentic because they're a real person, but really it's, it's pretty much the same thing. They're just getting paid less. <laughs> oh man. I can't remember the story because I, I used to do uh, presentations on this. I still do some stuff on influencer marketing, but, um, oh, there was Alpo, um, dog food. And there's another really big brand <clears throat> that were rivals for a long, long time. And I'm trying to think of the actor's name. I want to say he was on like Bonanza or something like that. Okay. Um, but it's the first like celebrity endorsement and just the return uh, that it had was absolutely insane. So it was like the first time they'd figured out, you know, it's like the first example of influencer marketing and, and what it did. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Uh, I don't want to make this podcast about influencer marketing. Um, uh, what I do want to say is everyone has influence and there is a very large diminishing return. Uh, if somebody has over 50,000 followers, for example, mm. very large diminishing return. Uh, the, the larger number of followers they have, actually the less engaged their followers are, if that makes mm. sense. So, um, you know, if if there's like five thousand, wow, uh, you're gonna that person has a lot of influence with those people, or a thousand, a lot of influence. If you have a, a hundred followers, then odds are you have per capita greater influence with the people that actually follow you than the person with a thousand or a hundred thousand. Um, so there, that in and of itself is fraught with lies. <laughs> Um, but, and it drives people literally to their death. If you think back over the last year, there have been multiple people <clears throat> who have, uh, passed away because, uh, I, I can think there was probably a year, year and a half ago, Angel Falls as an example, mm -hmm. where there's this plunge pool or is it Devil Falls? One of the two, Angel or Devil, I'm not really sure, um, where you can take a picture and you are right at the edge uh, you know, before it goes down thousands of feet. And so, of course, people want their yeah. picture right there. And there was a group of uh, YouTubers yeah. that were there. Yeah. Angel Falls, Venezuela. <clears throat> yeah. So that's an example. Um, I'm just looking it up right now. Yeah. I have personal <laughs> examples of, uh, and, and some of it really is, um, it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Um, and the lie of experiences feeds well into that. So I'm going to move yeah. us on from that because <laughs> I'm getting sad. Market. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing about this lie, the problem with this lie in believing that you are what you experience. The, the problem is the odds are stacked against us because it's impossible not to compare. It's impossible that if you begin going down this road and saying, oh, I need to get that photo. And, and you know, you're beginning to go down this road when you post something and you end up deleting it because it doesn't end up getting as many, uh, it, it didn't get the likes and the impressions that you wanted. 
So you have to retake it and repost it. And I know there's a segment of the listeners right now that are like, well, that is incredibly stupid. Who in the world would do that? And there's another segment that are like, uh, I've done that. I've done that. Right. And if you go down that road, it's impossible not to compare. And even when you get to that one photo that blows up or that one post or that one thing that blows up because you finally went to Angel Falls or you finally went to here and there and, and, and you got there and you got it. Well, it's never going to be enough because then you've hit the, you know, you, you hit the jackpot. You got to what you really wanted, but it didn't satisfy. So you try to get the next high. You try to get the next thing. And ultimately it's, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't satisfy, does it? No, not at all. Again, going back to identity, <laughs> mm-hmm. going back to um, us viewing ourselves as, as God. <clears throat> trying yeah. to satisfy ourselves with don't with things other than God that don't. On this podcast, we equip our listeners with the absolute best resources to help their churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue or perhaps a new one that you own, I would encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions so that you can launch strong, be reproductive, and thrive in your community. For over 25 years, they've partnered with church planters and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, and effective portable church solutions so that you and your team can stay focused on the thing that really matters, and that's building disciples. If you want to see what this looks like? Visit portablechurch.com slash Okay, I would say uh, moving us on to... Um, our next question would be, is there, do you address uh, anything about how experience economy has shifted us from ownership minded to access minded? So you mentioned credit cards earlier. Like if you looked at my credit card, you would see um, a Netflix membership. You would see mm-hmm. uh, other subscription based things. Um, and, and not just at Netflix, the reason why I give that is you may not think of that as an experience, but it is an experience. Uh, you, and you may not think of that as ownership versus access, but that's exactly what it is. Instead of buying that DVD, mm-hmm. I'm just paying for access. It's not as important to me. Uh, and when you look at millennials and Gen Z, I think they're even, um, they're, they're even more prone to do that. So, you know, yeah. Boomers, like my mother with, I don't know, hundreds of platters, as an example, of things that she collects. I don't know what, I don't know where those are going to go in like 50 years. You know what I'm saying? Like who's going to. Well, they're all full of lead anyway. Who's so. going to, who's, who is going to buy antiques in, in 30 years? Yeah. Is Unless anybody? you can create an experience around it. <clears throat> Unless you can set up a photo booth with it, I'm not interested. Yes. No, no <laughs> joke. I have a friend who uh, his his wife is a hairstylist and she loves antiques. And she has created her 
an, an experience. It is incredible. It is incredible when you go to her her a salon. It's an experience with antiques and with design and all that stuff that she uses for that. But once again, it goes to the experience. So going going to your question about access. So sharing economy, access economy, experience economy, all of these things are derivatives of the gig economy and are related to the gig economy. You talked about a book by Joe Pine and James Gilmore, the experience economy that's been out for a little bit. So I'm just going to quickly explain the four that the progression from that, that they, uh, that they expand, uh, and, and explore in that book so that we get a, a sense as to where this has been. So they, they, the, the famous example that they use is the example of a birthday cake, right? Once upon a time, you're gonna throw a birthday party and make a cake, have a cake for your kid, when we all lived on farms, you'd have to make that from scratch, right? Locally sourced, farm freshed, organic. No, it's, I mean, it sounds hipster, but that was the only way <laughs> that you could get a cake, right? You had to yeah. harvest your own gr- grain, grind it into flour. You had to raise your own chickens to get eggs. You had to milk your own cows to get milk and make butter. You had to grow your own sugar cane for the sugar, or you bartered for this, that, or the other. You had to work with your hands to get the commodities, right? That's the first phase of the experience economy is it was, it was commodity driven. And then Betty Crocker came around. Her cake mix was awesome, faster, simpler. You didn't have to do all that. All you had to do is get eggs and milk, and then you're able to get going. So we went from commodities to goods. We paid for commodities to then we paid for goods, and and goods were easier to work with than commodities. And then we went, uh, and then grocery stores figured out, hey, if they made the cakes for us, that actually they could mark them up and make them pre-made, pre-iced, pre-packaged and make a lot more money on it. So we went from commodities to goods to a service where we would then pay for services. And then now we are, uh, we've, we've moved from services to experiences where I can't tell you the number of times I've then thrown a birthday party for our kids somewhere else. And it's not even that I had to bring my cake. They gave no, the cake. It's part it of the was package. Part of yeah, the package because the cake actually became secondary to the experience that you bought. Right. So there's that progression. And and now these days it's not even about um it's it's not even about owning an experience. It's about accessing. It's about sharing it. It's about even saying, hey, I don't it and then minimalism actually Minimalism actually finds its way into this whole idea too, because then they're like, oh, well, actually uh, the good life is the minimal life where I'm not throwing, I can actually uh, put everything into a a pod, even if I have a pod, or maybe I have everything that I own in a backpack and I'm going to go travel the world for experiences because everything that I own is shared or accessed. And you can find that with cars as well. So yeah, I mean, it is so related and intertwined. So Daniel, how are we seeing this come into this church? This whole idea of experience. I mean, we we talked about in uh, the lap, last episode. We talked a little bit about excellence on Sunday morning and the gig economy. Um, how are we seeing this seep its way into the church? So this is tricky. This is tricky. You don't want to you don't want to fuel comparison and envy the way that marketers do. And that's actually kind of crack cocaine for them and what they use to fuel and fund the experiences and people buying their products. So we don't want to do that, right? We don't want to commoditize 
church or what we're doing. Yet we know that everyone loves experiences and we know how compelling and attractive that they can be. So here's an example. Next time you do Easter or you do Christmas or you're doing a big service, have a photo booth right? Um, have a photo booth where you have a nice background and you have a set, you have, you have a stage set up or, or not even a stage, but lighting and you have a professional photographer or you just let people take their own photos. You can scale up or down as much as you want, but create this where people can have their family photos or they can do something fun. So there's a lot of different ways that you can do that to drive uh, connection happening. Here's the thing about experiences, right? You want connection to happen. You want community to happen. You want interactions to happen within the church context. So a photo booth can fuel that. Another thing that you can do on a Sunday morning is create moments. Now I'm not talking about doing the old school big dramas or create these massively produced things. No, but how do you create moments of vulnerability? How do you even create space in your worship set where moments can happen? Because I think we've all, because of, I love planning center. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the thing I hate about planning center is how every single minute is planned out and every single transition and there's countdowns and there's all that. And, and there's like, Oh, well, what about the move of the spirit? Well, here's what we're doing at our church. Our, um, our global worship guy, our creative and, and, and worship pastor. I mean, he's basically now cut down our service by a few minutes, the planned out minutes so that we can have um, spirit led moments if they arise and we have the space and the margin in our services to have that if they arise. Now I don't, I'm not saying manufacture them, but if they arise, then do it. So for example, a few weeks ago, um, I had just heard that my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer and it was a couple days before the service. And I was just emotionally dealing with it. And I was like, man, I got to, I, I want to share this with the church to invite them to pray with us, but I don't want it to be the focus of the message. And if I talk about this, I honestly don't know how I'm going to compose myself and preach the message afterward. Cause my opening illustration was toothpaste, right? So I was like, how am I going to go from my dad having been diagnosed with prostate <laughs> cancer to talking about all the different toothpaste that we have. So in the, in the worship, right in, in, in the worship set, before the announcements happened, I just sensed the spirit nudge me to say, Hey, go talk about it now. So I, I went up, like I, I flagged our, um, our youth pastor who's doing announcements. And I was like, Hey, just wait one moment. And <laughs> the worship leader was like, Hey, I'm going to come up. I went up slowly so that they saw what I was doing so that people, you know, the sound guy could turn my mic on. And then I was like, Hey guys. And I shared that moment and I invited our church to pray Saturday night when that happened, I'm sure our congregation was like, what in the world is happening? Cause the youth pastor that was about to come up to do the announcements, just walked back down all, you know, every, it was, it was a, it was a moment of a little bit of chaos. The screen had already come down right. yet. I led our church into a moment. That was a moment. It wasn't manufactured. It was spirit led. We had margin in the, in, in the service right. to do it, but we created that moment and that experience that was incredibly meaningful for me. And I pray was meaningful for those who are there, but that's the thing, right? How do we create margin in our services and be attuned and look for moments and experiences? That's so good. Um, I would point people back uh, to 
the power of moments. We did a, a book breakdown. And I yeah. think that's really important, Daniel. Um, you know, hey, yes, we are not what we experience, but at the same time, we all recognize the power of moments. And it's not about um it's not about you know manufacturing something that's fake. It's understanding uh, how we can intentionally make someone's experience an actual moment, a, a mile marker, a milestone in their life and their walk with Christ. So, mm-hmm. man, that's I just episode, love how you shift that. That's that's episode three forty four, uh, the book breakdown that we did. We actually did together. Yeah, uh, last year on the power of moments. Good deal. Guys, well, thanks so much for listening to us. Uh, please hop on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. And Daniel and I still do a podcast together, believe it or not. Uh, and that is the New Churches Podcast. There's another guy on there that you may or may not know. His name's Setzer. <clears throat> uh, and we love him. Uh, but we have more fun. So... Yeah, I'm just gonna good. put. That, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. We have more fun. <laughs> yeah, if you miss us on the five LQ together, go listen. And and even if you're not church planning or in a multi-site church, we talk about oh, leadership yeah. and I mean, and we'll answer any question so that you send yeah. us in. That's so true. That's true. Just uh, just send us a question as well. Thank you guys so much once again, and uh, we'll continue the series in the next episode.